0: The portion of God's word that we'll focus on for a few minutes this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. which were just as they had been told. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. Joy has dawned upon the world promised from creation. God's salvation now unfurled hope for every nation, not with fanfare from above, not with scenes of glory, but a humble gift of love, Jesus, born of Mary, son of Adam, son of heaven, given as a ransom, reconciling God and man, Christ, our mighty champion. What a savior, what a friend, what a glorious mystery, once a babe in Bethlehem, now the Lord of history. Amen. Amen. Torn wrapping paper all over the floor. Boxes mangled and piled up in the corner. And a tree with nothing under it. You gave a lot of gifts. And you got a couple. But none of them all that memorable. In fact, they're kind of of disappointing. They're the kind of gifts that you're going to put in a box the next morning. And then when you move 25 years later, you're going to find them and realize that you hadn't thought about them since you put them there 25 years earlier. It'd be kind of a disappointing Christmas, wouldn't it? But that scene would change very quickly if it was the setting for a a voice that said, well, what do you know? We missed one. And as you look up into the loving eyes of that person, you hear the words, and it's for you. And you take that gift, and you open it up, and you add a little more wrapping paper to the floor, and you, and you throw the box into the corner. And there you are, staring at the most wonderful gift what you always wanted. And believe it or not, it was actually something that you needed too. And in that moment, this Christmas went from being one of the worst ever to one of the best, and you're convinced this gift, you're going to cherish it for the rest of your life. Christmas has always been about a gift. This is not an earth-shattering thing for you. Christmas has always been about a gift and that's where our gift giving comes from. The reason we give gifts and we receive gifts, it's because of this gift that God has given to us. And yet, it's true that in this life, the gifts that we give, the gifts that we receive, they're going to vary in their level of, of impact, aren't they? Some are going to get one of those, oh, thank you very much's, and others are Thank you won't seem nearly the proper response. Yet these gifts, they all point us to the gift. They're all about the gift that Christmas is all about celebrating. And tonight, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we're asking this question that comes from that opening hymn. Well, what child is this? But what we're really asking is what kind of gift is this? Is it the kind of gift that we're going to put in a box tomorrow morning and not think of for 25 more years? Or is it the kind of gift that has the most remarkable impact? An impact that not only will last for this life, but even an impact that will last beyond death. In Luke chapter 2, you just heard the angels set the scene for us. They come to these shepherds and they're telling them this good news about a gift. And what they're saying is there's a tag on the gift. It says, from God to you. And as the shepherds open the gift, they find, ah, a Savior. Alright, so from God to you and the gift is a Savior. Well, what kind of impact is that going to have? Well, it kind of depends. Because when we get that gift, it says the same thing to us. The tag says, from God to you. And then we open it and we see, oh, a Savior. An interesting thing happens. We don't want it. Because deep down in our core, That gift says something about us, and we don't like what it says. It's kind of like you get a gift and you open it, and inside is, oh, a bottle of bacteria-killing mouthwash. And the latest breath-freshening toothpaste, and a really nice toothbrush, and some minty floss, and in case you forget to use it, here's a travel pack of mints. In some contexts, maybe it's funny, maybe it's a gag, maybe it's a white elephant gift, and we smile and say, ha, 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 but the message your breath reeks hurts, right? This is the same kind of gift. When you open up this gift from God to you, to me, and you see it's a savior, Well, that says you need saving. And there's a part of us that just hates that. Because if you need saving, it means you're weak. And we'd like to think that we're strong. At least that we have the ability to be strong. It's a hard message to hear. But if you're drowning in a swimming pool... When a lifeguard jumps in and saves you, do you give any thought to whether or not you needed the saving? No. <laughs> You're just thankful. You see, your view of this gift is entirely based on your view of yourself. And by nature, we have a very specific view of ourselves. We like to think very highly of ourselves. But that's an ignorant view. Ignorant of reality. And I'm right there with the rest of you because we're all related. We're all brothers and sisters descended from the same two people. Two people who doubted God's love for them and did what he told them not to do. And ever since... This this plague of sin has infested us. It leads me to to think that I'm really pretty great, at least when I compare myself to everybody else, and that if God is a God worth his salt, he'll see that and he'll appreciate it. He, He will look at me and he will see someone who is worthy of his love, not like those people. I'm better than them. I make better decisions, I make better choices, I do better things. And yeah, I'm not perfect. Who is? But? But, if he's a God worth loving, if he's a God worth following, then he ought to love me. Utter foolishness. Completely ignorant of reality. You See, what, what I just described, it's, it's idolatry in a nutshell what that sinful flesh inside of us loves to do is just make a new God. I don't like the one that I'm hearing about in the Bible. His standard is too high. I can't do it. And so I'm just going to make a new one. I'm going to make a new God that fits my fancy a little bit more. A God who allows me to decide what's right and wrong. I'm just going to make a new God who who looks at me and, and sees me for being the good kind of person that will be led into his kingdom. Again, foolishness. There's one God who created the world and his standards are impossibly high. We can't do it. And the fact of the matter is, inside of every single one of us, even me, There's this little idolater, this little idol worshiper who hates the idea of being saved and wants to figure out a way to do it himself. The fact of the matter is, idolaters will spend eternity separated from God, separated from his love. That's reality. We can disagree. We can even shake our heads in disgust. But it's a fact. Idolaters will be separated from God forever. Unless He saves them, right? Unless He saves them. You know that famous part of Luke chapter 2? And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Our translation said, and they were terrified. Well, yeah, they were terrified. They were idolaters. They were sinners. And when sinners have the glory of the Lord shining on them, they are afraid. They are in terror. But remember what the angel said to them? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. While the most powerful man in the world at that time, Caesar Augustus, was busy counting his wealth, that's what the census was. How many people live in my kingdom? How much money do they owe me? And if I need to raise an army, how many people can I get to serve in my army? While Caesar Augustus is amassing his wealth and counting it up, The infinite ruler of the universe, the creator and owner of all things, does something miraculous. He smuggles his one and only son into the world. And he sends some angels, messengers, to tell these shepherds about it. What do they do? They hurry off and all of a sudden these men who were terrified at the glory of the Lord are looking at the face of God and they're completely unafraid because God's solution to fixing the terror that separates sinners from his glory was to hide his glory in human flesh. Today we're here to celebrate the fact that God was born. That God became one Of us, that God became a man for you, for me. From God to you, to me, a Savior has been born, and that Savior is God in the flesh. Come to live from birth to death flawlessly. He never stumbled. He never had to compare himself to other people like we do to make himself feel good because he was good, perfectly good, every moment of every day. And then he died for you, for me, for idolaters, for sinners. He gave his perfect life up as a sacrifice for sin. St. Paul once wrote to a, a real church, a real group of people in Rome And in chapter 5, he summed this up so beautifully for us. Listen to it. This is Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. This is a night of wonder, a night of pure joy. Turns out the gift that our sinful flesh doesn't want is the gift that we need the most, and in Jesus, we have it. The impact is immeasurable. Changes everything. And it might be hard to see when you walk out of here. Because there will still be bad breath and there will still be illness. And every single day will be one day closer to your own death, to the death of those you love the most. And so you might wonder sometimes how, how is it that this gift is so impactful if, if people still get sick and people still die? I'm going to die. What, what's the impact? No, look again. Look again. God in the flesh makes those things not so scary anymore. Because the reason that illness makes us afraid is because it could lead to death. And the reason that death makes us afraid is because we think it's the end, but it's not. It's not. Jesus guarantees it. He lived this perfect life and gave it up as a sacrifice for you and for me so that we could be at peace. And that changes everything. It changes the way sickness looks, it changes the way death looks. It means that every single day, yes, you're getting closer, one day closer, one day closer to paradise. One day closer to being in God's glory where it's not hidden behind human flesh and you won't be terrified, not even a little bit. You will bask in the glow of God's glory because Jesus, your Savior, has been born. Merry Christmas. Amen.